Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Johnny the Dots is a podcast from the makers of Huck Magazine, brought to you in association with Size. Huck Magazine is a publication that, since 2004, has told stories from the fringes. It's about activists and artists of every creed and colour. And here at Joining the Dots, we meet the creators of those cultures, finding out what draws us together in an increasingly chaotic age. I'm Don Lex and welcome to Joining the Dots. Today I sat down with drummer, vocalist and all-round musical producer Georgia, who also happens to be my next-door neighbour. Living in the left field all her life and now signed to Domino Records, we talked about growing up in a global rock and roll household and the beauty of beats and everything in between. Where do we start with Georgia? Because I've known you since... <laughs> what age were you when I first met you? Like five or six or something? Six. I think I was six. Yeah, yeah. Is that when I would have shot that footage of you and my daughter lip-syncing to uh, <laughs> Britney Spears? Yeah. I'm going to blackmail you no. with that when you get more famous. When you get more famous, I'll blackmail you with that. You took us to see Britney Spears. Me and Amber definitely Don't tell went. people that. I'll lose my call. Oh, shit. Hey, yeah. Britney Spears is cool. Britney she was Spears, then. No, no, no. She's still cool. She works yeah. with all the best people. Yeah. Britney Spears is still cool. Oops, I did it again. Oops, I <laughs> did it again. Just for the record, for these people listening to this yeah, podcast, yeah, yeah. they ought to know that Georgia is actually my next door neighbour. Yeah. Quite literally. In the, is that the left field? In the left field. field. <laughs> and, um, That's ironic. Ironic. And her father, Neil Barnes, half of left field. So, I mean, yeah. it's fair to say you've grown up in the middle of all this shit. I mean, yeah, a very different completely. experience to others trying to get in, right? Yeah, completely. I think when I realised that I was living next door to you... You wanted to move. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and then had my dad build this studio at the end of the garden, you know, I realised, actually, this is it. I'm, I've got it all here, you know. When did you think music? When did you think that's for me too? Uh, very, very early on. Uh, it was too young for me to actually remember right. when I wanted to be in music. You know, I, I the, the the real thing that sealed the deal was obviously going to see one of, one of my dad's concerts and I think it was Tea in the Park. It was in, you know, the Scottish Festival in, like, 19... Or something. I remember being side of stage, Ian Brown standing beside me, kissing my hand, lift me up and took me on stage. I just remember seeing all these people, thousands of people in this tent, just losing their minds to this music. I stood up there and I was like, I want to do this. (laughs) It was was a defined moment where I was just like, this looks fun. This is the life for me. This looks fun. This is a bit of a trip. I want to do this. (laughs) 
<laughs> and I'm, as we're sitting here talking, I'm thinking, okay, because you must have gone out on a lot of the tours with Left Field back in the day. Yeah, yeah, no, I did. So I, I did. I was a kind of, at one point, I was a bit of a mo- mascot. You know, they they dressed me up in all the Left Field merch, and I'd have my little pigtails, and I'd be constantly asking the crew, "Can I get on stage? Can I get on stage?" I remember Glastonbury. I was really upset that they didn't take me on, but my mum, mum was just like, "Gee, you know, stay back." I think I went down with the Left Field in the yeah. bus once. Yeah, you did. That was Glastonbury. We all oh, went yeah. together. Oh yeah, can't talk too much about that. That was pretty <laughs> yeah. wild. That was in the wild days. Well, that day. was also the other thing that I was exposed to, right? Because we all know the sort of surrounding culture around dance yeah. music. So you know, She's talking about drugs first. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, I was also exposed to quite a lot of, you know, heavy things as yeah. a kid as well. Whether the, the Watching, not partaking, with... we got to say. Yeah, no, an eight-year-old partaking yeah. in... Uh, yeah, you wouldn't have be, made it I to I wouldn't here. have made it now. It was eye-opening. You know, I think when I was that young, I thought, this is just the standard, right? You're, you must have thought it's normal. In, this is normal, yeah. just to go out on stage to 20,000 people. This is normal. But since doing this and being in this process of, of writing my own music and putting it out, it's very different. Well, the climate's it's totally very changed. Different. Yeah, well... Because I, I guess I think, you, you know, sort of came of age just as that shift was happening yeah. between the analogue and the digital. The scene that I eventually got in in London, you know, they were all MySpace artists. Quest, who I used to play drums for, and Jai Paul, and all the early kind of Young Turks people, and Mikachu, and all these bands that now are, are really influential Did artists. Did you play with all of those guys? Yeah, I yeah. I made it for Quest. And didn't yeah. you play for Kate Tempest? I played with Kate four years ago for Everybody Down, her second album. Right. And that was amazing. But these are all artists that made their names through MySpace. And the digital age. And the you know, digital part of this age. New, they, the new way. Exactly. You know, so did you realise things were changing from, what from no, how your dad did it to... Even five, six years ago, I didn't realise it. I, I think I was like, I'll just put my record out and a day later I'll be an overnight success. <laughs> Yeah, but, I mean, you're like skipping totally, one thing. One thing totally different. I was totally impressed with you about was this, is that through, through all your childhood, certainly when you got like, I don't know, 12, 13, 14, yeah. I never remember you going out and playing. I always, all I could yeah. do was bloody drums next to my house. <laughs> And then you were in the studio, but you've, yeah. you've put in the time like I've never seen. And I ain't just sucking right. up to you. I mean, no, you really yeah. put in the time. Yeah. And I think it obviously yeah. shows in what yeah. you've created. Do you know what I mean? I think it was a drive from my dad as well and my mum to be self-sufficient, right? So in order to do... And your dad's do, a workaholic, yeah, yeah, to do that, I had to really just sit in my bedroom. I remember getting this, like, four-track recorder. I was probably, like, 12. Yeah. And I remember setting it up, going, right, how do I record this instrument onto that tape and it was that teachings and that development that laid the foundation for me going into the studio and just being like I can know how to create what I hear up in my head and it's true you have to put work in definitely I mean you hear Michael Jackson and all that lot that they're geniuses yeah. you know but I knew that I had to really work at this and and also it is different for girls in the studio and my dad would always say that you want to know your shit yeah, you, you want you want to go so, into yeah. these studios and not rely on other people you want to be the ones telling, telling people them. what to do or what you want to do so in order to do that I think now looking back on it I did have to put quite a lot of work into it funny you mentioned girls in the studio because I'm from my perspective it looks like there's been a massive shift yeah. in fact I was reading a little article about you a while ago and in the article yeah. it said something like in the 21st century it's not about four piece rock band anymore mm. it's about single females mm. and I realised there was a proliferation of a mm. single 
fierce females, whether it be yeah. PJ Harvey or Harvey or Kate Tempest. Mm. And um, I'm guessing that things have changed. Mm. Mm. Attitudes to women have changed in the studio because these are all strong women that know their shit. They're not. Mm. They haven't got 20 producers or 50 mm. writers writing their songs. Mm. I mean, surely. It's changed now. Very rarely do you see a female engineer. But I'm talking about these people in the studio working on the technology. Yeah, 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 yeah. Kate Tempest and, and the artists are different, right? And there, I think, there's been such a shift. Yeah, there's been a massive shift. But Bjork was talking about it in the 90s, you know? She was like... You know, it's stop talking about girls in this real big way. You know, they're just the, doing their shit. The they're doing that. And now it has become accepted. But in the main recording studios, it is still very heavily male-dominated. And I think it's something to do with the education Education, in, in, women in not country. being told that they can do that exactly. shit. Exactly. You know, it's like a male, male, yeah. Exactly. This is a man's job. This well, it is works a in the favour of the men. They don't think you keep the mystique <laughs> and the magic, you know, no, oh, no, girls, it's, you can't touch yeah, that button. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But it's changing. Yeah. They're, there is a change. Whether we'll see it in, in my generation, I don't know. But all you have to see, right, your kids, you know, are, are, are on iPads. Mm. They know what technology, to do on yeah, iPads. It's not taboo. They, they know yeah. more about technology. Technology than, doesn't belong to men anymore. Exactly. They know more about technology than any of us do, you mm. know, because they're on, they're showing you, oh, you can do this photograph like this, you can record that yeah. thing like that yeah. all Dad, on an this iPad. is how you use your phone. Exactly. <laughs> I think we'll see a massive change in it. But there are fantastic female people producers in America and in the UK and in Europe. It's going to happen. And, so you know, so it's the, on the basically way. the females have taken the stage and now they've got to take the production part of it. There's this, this amazing producer out in America. She's called Wonder Girl. And she's behind a lot of ASAP Rocky and ASAP Ferg. And she does a lot with Future. She's a hip-hop producer. What's her name? Wonder Girl. Wonder Girl. And she is a fantastic example of a woman who has just worked in the studio from a very early age, working on her beats, and is now recognised as one of the hip-hop producers of our day. So, like, that's inspiring. That's really inspiring. And which yeah. of the female artists that are out there kind of turn you on? I think at the moment I'm really interested in more of, like, the techno side of things. So I've been listening to a lot of Jessie Lanza... All my friends from London, so Mika, I mean, she is another example of um, just a fantastic musician, composer, um, electronic beat. Across the board. Across the board. And she's a dear friend of mine and she constantly inspires me every day. I'm in the studio and I think, what would Mika do? Just like I put her in the same category as Missy Elliott, you know, what would Missy do? And, you know, there's an example as well, someone who meant so much to me from such an early age because you were seeing a woman who literally grew up in the studio cleaning the toilets with Timberland in the studio to then working on the downtime in the studio, working on beats, creating like a hundred beats and then oh Aaliyah walks through the studio or someone walks yeah. through the studio and they're like yo that sounds good that sounds good let's put it on that and that's how she came to the forefront but um I'll tell you what I want to ask you what did you get from your father leftism was a seminal piece of electronic music and I think there is no denying that being around that landscape of music, being around the equipment they used, being around the general DIY do-it-yourself in your in the flat, do-it-yourself in this little studio, it had a complete effect on me. In, in, you're, in, you're missing one thing I haven't heard you say yet, I'm expecting you to say. What's that? Bass. Bass! 
bass. That's what so I remember about da- your father. Okay, yeah. So my dad was the biggest reggae and dub fan I think I've ever come into contact with. And I remember from a very, very early age, again, you asked me from, you know, when did you want to be a musician? It was as early as that, that just like reggae and dub just being in the flat constantly, constantly. And he'd even say to me, even if we got a new piece of audio equipment, he'd try Yabby You on it, you to know, test to the test sound. out the bass. Yeah. Just yeah, like there's, a sound system. Just like a sound system. So, you know, that is just entrenched in me. That essence of the bass, the drums, bass. Bass? Beats. Beats. And you know what I get from it as well? Yeah. is the space, yeah. which is the dub thing. Exactly. You know, the space. Where you my, can kind of put yourself yeah. in the mix. It's yeah, not like this dominating yeah, yeah. thing. There's yeah. space for you to be in it. My dad always used to say to me, gee, you know, you, 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 do you need this? Do you need that? And I'd say to him, well, actually, I don't know. Take it out. The most important thing is the space and the structure. And that was something that in my first album, I couldn't quite comprehend yet because I was just experimenting. So I was just wanting to find, your find these textures and these sounds that created this mad world. But now I'm going back to that space, bass and, and beats. beats. <laughs> I remember seeing them play at Brixton Academy. Yeah, yeah. And they made the fucking ceiling start no, to collapse. No, I know. I was there. The first gig that I played with Wayne Coyne and the Flaming Lips, it was at Brixton Academy. Didn't and I see that? Yeah, yeah, you oh, were there. And that started my new year. That you started 2017 and I was so depressed because of the you, Trump thing. I and know. that show and your performance and obviously Flaming Lips yeah. kick-started my 2017, man. Oh, Otherwise, the so dread sweet. would have been seriously depressed. I thought that was one of the best times I've ever seen the Flaming Lips as well it was just a great atmosphere but I remember before Wayne going on and I said you know I've got a story about Brixton my dad played Brixton in the 90s and the bass was so heavy that the ceiling collapsed and he was like no fuck off (laughs) and then he goes out he goes out on stage they play a couple of the songs and then he goes I've got a story to tell and he tells this story of like but then he's saying to the audience we have to jump so hard that the ceiling collapsed and it didn't happen unfortunately no, they've got to nah, leave that to nah. left field, Wayne, unfortunately. I mean, you, Wayne can take us to other places, but left field have got the base. Next album, Wayne. Yeah, next album, yeah. To what degree did punk inform what you did and your understanding of punk? What did it, how did that inform what you do? Well, um, I think the whole... Because you would have met John, sorry. yeah. You yeah, yeah. Gliding, right? Yeah, completely. Yeah. yeah. I mean, well, Leftfield did a track with John, and John was at my birth, I think. He was at the hospital at the time. <laughs> I'm surprised you came out. <laughs> there was some weird story. I think at the time of, of, of me being born, they had just mixed um, the track that they did or something. Oh, open so, up. Open up. Open up. I think they had just finished it, or, or I don't know. There's some, yeah. there's some story there where he was there. I mean, punk was played in my house constantly. My dad absolutely came from that ethic. I mean, the, the whole dance scene in in the UK was born out of the punk scene. The whole DIY thing. The whole DIY thing, that kind of attitude of no one's going to stop us and, you know, we're breaking rules, we're breaking boundaries, we're, we're doing illegal shit, we're doing illegal raves, we're, we're putting on these nights, we're, we're starting culture. Yeah. We're going to define fine culture. I'm massively influenced by that. Completely, 100%. Because I tell you, I do get fed up of people looking back at this thing that they think is a dead thing that happened back then. Because they miss the point about it being an attitude and a spirit. 
No, I think most musicians in in this city in London they get it. They most of my mates they are just punks themselves. Yeah. I'm talking about the attitude. I'm not talking about the clothes. I'm talking about that. that you spirit. know that spirit. Because people yeah. don't understand that, that spirit and attitude. Yeah. It's got a legacy and a tradition Completely. and a heritage. And if you keep going on about that late seventies thing, yeah, it makes it a dead thing that happened back then. Yeah, as yeah, opposed completely. to a living thing that you can actually be, be part, part of. of. I think it's so embedded in the musicians that I know because the musicians that I know are creative, open-minded people. They're not the people that are mass-produced in a studio and they're not the people whose aspirations are to head to LA where the doors will suddenly flood open for my mainstream pop career. They're not those people. They operate in a different world. They operate in a different world and that's why some of them do cross over. You know, the XX have crossed over. But they they did it on their terms. They did it on their terms, and that has come from a punk attitude. It's come from, this is our domain, and if you like it, then yeah. come in. If yeah. you don't, well, fuck yeah, you. I'm we not going to care music, anyway. You sell the shit. Yeah, I think, I think that's just embedded in me, and it's embedded in a load of musicians that I know. So the other week, I was, um, I got a chance to speak to Hattie Collins, who did this grime book, and it's very much a grime expert. Yeah. And to me, grime's got a lot of punk attitude and spirit. Definitely. I mean, I'm guessing you sort of came out of that world as well, because that was the lick of the last, what, oh, shit, it's been going yeah. on for like 15 years now. To what degree has so, grime informed what uh, you If you're a Londoner, you just know about grime. You know, you, you knew about Channel U, you knew about all the, the, pri- the pirate radio stations that were playing grime, all the kids. Being a Londoner, grime makes me proud. Because that is our hip hop. That is our music. That is a genuine Mm. British product. Probably one of the most genuine that's been since punk. Because it is so born out of London. And particularly a London culture and a London vibe. I mean, I am not a grime artist at all. Nowhere near it. But I am an appreciator of the beats, of the way that they just get in their bedroom, they put on a garage tune, they slow it down. speed it up and then they MC over it who's not going to be influenced by that yeah. but I think it's the yeah. only original thing that's come out of the UK in the 21st century yeah of course it literally. is literally yeah of course it is and that's why it's making waves I mean we've now got the Americans coming over here being like what's yeah. this yeah let's have what's, some of this what's, yeah. what is this music what is that you know I would always identify myself as a Londoner and as someone who is of an electronic Bass and beats background. Bass and beats background. I would always, always say that grime has influenced me and grime is part of me because that is that is who I am. Totally I was who I am. jokingly telling Hattie the other week that the only thing that put me off was two things. I couldn't take men shouting at me all day long. Yeah. And there was no bloody women. That's when it started. I mean, now things have changed. I mean, the guys are being a bit more open, a bit more honest. There's different influences coming in. They're being a yeah. bit emotional. I mean, look at, yeah. you know, something like Storms. Well, I think that's you know. true. I think there is something to be said about the lack of girls. MCs, but they are out there. Yeah, they no, are no, out. no, they're coming. They're but when it started, out there. yeah, no, no, no. These pure Monday. Yeah, yeah. Well, this is it. Yeah, but that's their release. Yeah. That was all right to us girls, you know. And a lot of them are sexy, and a lot of them got good style. And the first time I saw Skepta was back in like 2006 or something like that. I was 16. It was just in this like Croydon club. This guy is gorgeous. This guy has got a voice, and like there are basically a club of girls just here to see Skepta. <laughs> like, it's sometimes music's just like that. Just like how most of, you know, hip-hop has kind of, like, taken quite a long time, time for, for, yeah. for girls to, to make their waves in hip-hop. But, you know, they are out there. It's just one of those music I mean, forms it's really where, been interesting. Men, you know, It's been interesting are... to see it grow and develop 
over, what is it, like I said, I think it's at least 15 years. Yeah, so now it's getting the platform. Now it's getting the platform it's deserved. And that's amazing. Everyone I know has just been over the moon about how finally these guys are being recognised. It's put Britain back on the map, Completely. A couple of months ago, I was working with this guy called Rags Original, and he's behind Skepta's shutdown beat. He does all the production for Skepta. And Rags is a genius. These guys are incredible at what they do on the computer because it's computer yeah, music. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I was learning of Rags. He uses Fruity Loop. It's a program which you can download it for free and it works with loops. So it's very easy to make a beat and to make a song. Really easy. You can do it in like a couple hours. And it was just so interesting to see how they did it, you know? And I was like, Rags, you're a bit like, you're a bit of a genius. You just reminded me of something. Who is it? I think Andy Weatherall said it to me. What's the good thing about technology? Everyone can make music. Yeah. What's the bad thing about technology? Everyone Everyone can can make make music. music. Yeah. (laughs) Respect Andy. Yeah. We know that now, right? We know how much music is out there, right? Good point. How difficult is it in the 21st century for you to break through now? I mean, what different techniques are you having to employ? I can only speak from my own personal experience, but for me, it was about finding that one person who encourages you, who is perhaps in connections with a few record labels in your area, but it is finding that one person who believes in you and then pushes you to play your music to people. That is the biggest hurdle. There are guys and girls out there who don't play their music to anyone, and that's the biggest mistake. you just got to play your music to people. Obvious question. Who was that one person? For a time, it was definitely Cherish and Katie. So Cherish Kaya ran Kaya Kaya Records, and Katie runs it with her, Katie Partridge. Cherish was the one who bugged me for ages about playing my music, and Katie heard the music, and if it wasn't for those two, I don't think I would be here right now. I don't think I would have got my record deal. They invested a lot of time in me and encouraged me. And I do think it is about that. There is an element of building bridges with people, building connections and allowing them to take a little bit of control of you and say, you know, Georgia, if we released it in this format, we could then reach out to those labels. You should then play live and we should invite all those people down. And it is about connections and it's about forcing yourself in an uncomfortable position, you know? Coming out of your bedroom and looking people in your eyes. I think that's probably what's changed with, with how it was in the past because there aren't as many live venues around London now but it's so focused now on the internet. And, is that a good thing? I don't see it as a bad thing or a good thing. Just it's, is. It just is and if it's ways in which artists can be discovered and artists can build relationships with A&Rs or whoever then it's a good thing. It's a really good thing. How did you get to Domino? Just before I released my EP I met my manager Jeanette Lee and she was another person who heard the music and was just like, okay, let's do this. Let's cool. let's just do this. And it was her idea to put on a three-week residency at this little club called The Waiting Rooms in Stoke Newington. You yeah, were there. Yeah, yeah, you were there. there. Yeah, you were definitely there. I remember. And Amber came. Yeah. A lot of people came down. But she said to me, she was like, right, let's just invite a load of labels down. Let's see what happens. Something may not come of it, Georgia. Something may not happen, but that doesn't mean that this isn't going to happen. you just got to be patient. And I, at the time, was 
ready. I was ready to get the live band together. I was ready to put myself in that arena now, you know, take myself out of the studio and put myself in the live ar arena. So we played these shows and I was so scared and there were labels from all different backgrounds. We had the majors, we had the independents. And that would have been because of what, the vibe of, of your aunt Jeanette? Jeanette just was, you know, obviously so well connected and, and was proud, was proud to, to see this happening. And on the third gig, a friend of mine called Tom Cater, who I'd met, who was working at Domino Publishing at the time, but he's also uh, been involved with James Blake's career, worked with James Blake's manager, Dan Fote, and was just a very well-connected guy and totally inspired by new music. He wants to find the new artist. He rung Lawrence Bell from Domino. I think the story is he he called him up and said, you've got to get down to this last show of this girl. She's really whatever. She's interesting. Come down. Lawrence was in LA. Lawrence got a flight from LA to London, came down to the last show. Um, I obviously had no idea what was going on. And about three days after, he came to the studio. I played him the entirety of the album. And I said to him, I just want a label and a home. I want to develop as an artist. And I want to be around the right people to allow that to happen. And then the day later, I got the call from Jeanette. And they were just like, they've offered you a deal. So it was all very quick. It happened with a blink of an eye and I was over the moon and I think Domino's just always been a label that I've loved. It's I mean, a very cool, it's a, it's, very a, cool. it's a great label and Lawrence is the most genuine, nicest guy I've ever met in music and he believes in his artists. And, and he, he believes, believes in music. He's, in passionate. Music. Yeah. He's passionate. His track yeah. record of the artists that are on the label have got so big and they don't want to leave Domino. Arctic Monkeys probably could have gone anywhere. That's right. But they, they remained with Domino. Same with Franz Ferdinand. Same with probably Dev, Blood Orange, you know? And for me, that was a real sign of a label that, that really believes in their artists and believes developing them and giving them a home. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. 
That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Tell us about America and the whole flaming lips thing, because I'm jealous. Uh, oh, you know what we haven't mentioned? Yeah. The enigma that is yeah. H. I know. We've got to talk about H, because okay. we've been talking about, like, okay. Georgia. For, for the most part, Georgia solo artists on drums, vocals, on stage dominates. But, yeah. somewhat understated, is H. Tell us about H. So, H is someone who I've known for quite a few years now, and she's an example of a girl who did a production engineering course and started working for a audio company and is someone who just got completely stuck in with helping artists supply all the, all the audio equipment for their studios. So she's completely a genius when it comes to technology and she knows what she's like. I met her four years ago when I asked her, I said, H, will you play in my band? Uh, I'm starting up this live band and will you help me and she was like yeah yeah of course and she had done some like she'd done some um, session playing before and me and her just got on there was an immediate friendship there and a connection and then through rehearsing together I just got a glimpse at how incredible she is at music she has perfect pitch she can work out some of the most complex chord structures she like Stephen Drozd from Flaming Lips said she is a bit of a musical genius and we've been on the road now for four years and the live show's now just developed basically me and her. And I think it's just an explosion of female force and I could not do it without H. Explosion of female force. <laughs> Damn. <laughs> right, boys, watch out. And H also, she's playing for Kate Tempest. She's she, Recently she's been playing with Katie Tunstall. She's just doing fantastically. And for me to see that and... And to see her building confidence for these four years, it's been a real like pleasure to see. And she's she, Japanese, right? She's Japanese. She's but she's a Croydon girl. She, yeah, she's a Londoner. You know. Oh, really? and, uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Totally. H is a babe, and anyone who comes into contact with her instantly falls in love. I with mean, her. I only met her a couple times, but the vibe is great. Yeah, the vibe is really good. I've only so, met her like three times. So we basically did this show at this festival called Wilderness last year, and we were on the main stage. We were sharing the stage with the Flaming Lips. The Flaming Lips were headlining this festival and we're driving there and we're like oh man we get to see the flaming lips like oh god this is going to be so incredible and so we arrive we set up we play at like three o'clock or something there's a good crowd you know but we're a bit like we're playing we're playing we're going through the motions and I looked side of stage and no joke Wayne Coyne was standing side of stage losing his shit he was like put hands up in the air like moshing his head and just like I had to stop so I stopped. I said, H, H, stop, stop. And I said to the audience, I was like, I'm oh, sorry, I have, to, I have to stop a minute because I've got Wayne Coyne side of stage losing his shit to my music. This is a moment for me right now because I cannot tell you how much I love this guy. And he hated it. He suddenly went a bit like, 
<laughs> didn't want to be yeah, seen. <laughs> but he was like going like right on. And then suddenly the whole live show got a new lease of life and people were loving it and it was incredible. And we played this amazing show. So after we finish, I gotta find Wayne, I gotta find Wayne. And he's standing there and I just give him a massive hug. And it's just like this instant connection. We were sharing similar experiences performing, we were sharing music taste, we were sharing what it means to be a performer and how are you and what you are, blah, blah, blah. It was just like an instant explosion of friendship, I guess. And then I said to him, oh, I want to come on tour with you. And he was like, I'm going to make it happen. And then, then three weeks later, we get this email from Scott, the manager, just being like, we want Georgia to come on tour with the Flame of Lips. They're doing a bunch of shows in Europe. So it was crazy. It was crazy. So next thing I know, we're at Brixton Academy. I'm telling Wayne that story about my dad playing Brixton Academy and I get up on stage. I'm sharing the stage with the Flaming Lips. I couldn't quite believe it, actually. Yeah. And he gave me a shout-out, someone yeah. told me. I yeah. bloody missed it. Yeah, he gave me a shout-out. I was so touched. I mean, like I said, made my year, man. Do you know he told me that um, a month ago they went to see Coldplay in Tulsa and Chris Martin knew that Wayne was at the show. I think they've been friends for quite a long time. But Wayne said he dedicated the whole show to Wayne Coin. Yeah. I think his influence on performers, and I think that goes to show with Miley Cyrus, it's, it, it's infectious. His attitude is and infectious his energy, yeah. and, and his energy and just his badass of like, who the fuck cares? Just fucking do, do it. Just do it. Just do it. If that makes you happy, if that's what you want to do, you do it. And you don't let anyone tell you otherwise. And if people tell you otherwise, ignore them and do it yourself. And that is infectious. So we all went and we stayed on his tour bus. They invited us in on the tour bus. So it was me, H, and a couple of other people. And suddenly H and Stephen got on really well because they're musical geniuses, right? So they just instantly right. <laughs> are talking about chord progressions and various scales and modes. We play this show in Stockholm where there's this piano backstage and Stephen and H get on the piano and they're like playing all this classical stuff and I think it was just for all of us it was just the most inspiring tour to have ever been on you know what I get the feeling that every musician should bump into Wayne Coyne yeah I think they should so how does that end up with you being in his house in Oklahoma right so then after the tour we're just we become super close friends and we're just chatting constantly via text and and I just said to him I've got this piece of music can you sing on it can, can we can we write something he's like yeah yeah send it over so then we started up this collaboration sort of email thing where we were sending tracks over and I was singing on them he was sending them back and then it got to a point about three weeks ago where I was like oh can I just come over to Oklahoma <laughs> because all this toing and throwing oh, yeah. is great but Actually, I just want to be in the studio with you and we can do this. And he was like, okay, let me look up some dates. And then we looked up some dates. And then literally about four days before any of the trip becomes a reality, he says, come to Oklahoma. And then basically we just organised the trip and I went over there. So am I hearing you right? Am I going to be looking forward to some Georgia Wayne collaboration? Yeah, we don't know what the actual outcome is going to be. But it was a total education in creative freedom in the studio you know it's interesting you say creative freedom because that's what struck me about Wayne is that he does his own thing and he doesn't really consider what's in demand or what the mainstream wants mm. I mean after he did that that was it mm. do you realize Yashimi yeah. does her own? Yeah. he does something that's so left field even I didn't get yeah. it I mean I only get half of what yeah. he does yeah but what yeah. I do get I fucking love and the weird yeah. stuff I just love the fact that he does that yeah. he, he so easily yeah. do 
catchy pop songs well, and all the rest it. of it. You've just said it right there. That's what he would say to me. You know, it's like it was too easy. You can so exactly. Yeah. You, you you've become Mr. Wayne Coyne, Don. That's exactly what he said to me. It's exactly what he said. You know, it's easy to do the same formula over and over again, but that's not fun. Yeah. That's not fun for the audience. Not fun for me. I want to do stuff that's wacky and 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 gets people thinking and and is good for me and is part of my thing and it's it's all about fun. It's about fun. I as just well. think it, Wayne's got some big musical balls. Yeah. And they're clear and he dances in them. <laughs> You've seen that shit, right? Yeah, when well, he does of that course. stuff. Unreal. Unbelievable. So the third day that we're there, you know, he sets up another big, clear musical ball in the garden and he sets up all these balloons and we're having fun and it's his and it's Katie, his girlfriend's birthday. And oh man, it was such a trip. It was like it was seeing someone who's created a world of their own, a world of creativity and a world where anything is possible. And okay, sometimes stuff like that can be unrealistic, but it felt okay in Wayne's world. And I don't know why. I think he's an enabler of creativity and he's an he's he wants to be surrounded by the people who can do. He doesn't want to be surrounded by the people who can't do. Or aren't you know? brave enough to do. Or aren't brave enough to do. Or aren't really fussed. He doesn't want to be around people like that. He wants to be around just people who are just like... For real. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So for me, it was just... I, I had to pinch myself and be a bit like... Okay, forget my forget my London attitude, and forget forget you know forget my formula formulas of of ways of doing things, and 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 just enter his world for a bit because this might open a few avenues for me. That totally happened, you know. He got me to sing like Robert Plant. Damn. <laughs> he said your voice, you know, open it up, go for it, and I've suddenly reached a note in the studio that I've never reached before, you know, and and a way of singing that I didn't know was possible with my voice. And that's incredible. I couldn't have done that. Without him? Yeah, or in my own studio. And that's where also, that's why collaborating is so important on a level. You know, you can just do it yourself. You can just be your own person in the studio. But I think it's very important to work with other artists to see what you can provide or what you can do and, and what what you can learn from them, you know, and vice versa. No, damn, I wish I was there. God yeah. damn. So, okay, I've got another question for you. Ultimately, what is the purpose of music? The purpose of music for me is to provide a sense of otherworldliness for people who want to escape into a kind of other creative world and find some kind of influence that they can take into their lives. The purpose of, of my music is just to get whoever listening to feel like I can stick on a Georgia record and just listen to that for two hours in my day and feel okay, cool, I'm ready to work on something or I'm ready, I'm ready to go here, I'm ready to do that. That's all that I want. And that's M all the music purpose Music to kind of help you move forward? Yeah. So I guess you'd be described as a singer, songwriter, multi-instrumentalist? Yeah, yeah. But, I mean, what I know you for is drums. Yeah, uh, yeah. Why did you pick up the sticks? It wasn't a question of, of why. It just happened from a very early age. In fact, it was Paul 
from left field because he was the drummer in left field. I think I was around eight. The story is he put me behind his drum kit and I could just do it. I just literally knew how to coordinate my hands. Don't ask me how. I have no idea. I think it was just because if you're born with rhythm, you can notice it in kids when they really are like thinking about pulses and rhythms. And I think that was just what I I was like. And I just very naturally played the drums. And then it was something that my dad picked up on and my mum. And I got a kit very early on. Great which you for you, remember. terrible for your neighbours. <laughs> I got a ride. But then did you, did you start exploring other drummers? So, yeah, yeah. So, you know, you're, you're beginning to play the drum kit. You're At first, you're just like fucking hitting the things and seeing what 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 textures and what sounds you can actually make from them. and then suddenly your brain suddenly goes well hang on a minute i, I want to listen to satisfaction by rolling stones who's playing drums on that oh yeah, yeah. so suddenly you're listening to charlie watts and 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 course when i was like 13 we had the internet so suddenly we could actually look up on the internet a youtube clip of charlie watts playing drums and suddenly you're like well, cool, I'm going to learn how to play in Charlie Watts style. Then, really, I started getting into jazz drumming. And so Elvin Jones, he was a massive influence for me because he was just like a machine. He never stopped playing the drums. I was always really influenced by seeing this clip of him playing at the Newport Jazz Festival with Miles Davis. And the camera focuses on Elvin Jones and he's playing this, like, incredibly fast jazz beat. And he's just smoking. There's, like, smoke coming from his head and I was just like whoa and he's playing so fast and then of course you know with this whole thing of connecting dots I'm like well who else was influenced by Elvin Jones well you know Jackie Leibovitz from Cannes so then I started listening to Cannes records and just being like this is great because this sounds like a drum machine loop you know when Jackie's playing the drums he's just like for like hours and hours why the music is just taking on this whole other lease of life and then it was like i'm a girl like these are all guys playing drums <laughs> who who were the girl drummers and then of mm. course you get to karen carpenter and you're like well there you go and so when i saw karen carpenter play the drums i was just like well that seals the deal i'm going to be a female drummer and then Sheila E from Prince, who just had this fabulous, sexy appeal and, like, f- knew how to play Latin music. And then I listened to all the Latin drummers. And, of course, Latin is a major style on the drums. And then I got to David Bowie. Well, who's playing on David Bowie records, particularly, like, Let's Dance? And then it's Omar Hakim. And Omar Hakim is the greatest R&B, funk, jazz drummer. And so it's just, like, you know, discovering music I just discovered drummers what about something like Tony Allen he pop up in your oh radar? Tony Allen yeah I mean so I went to a, a university called SOAS and I studied ethnomusicology and one of my areas was uh, Nigeria and I was really interested in learning about the whole Fela Kuti scene and what was going on in Nigeria politically and, and, and how Fela was just like this rebel force that was trying to with a lot of wives with a lot of wives <laughs> and then you you know, you get to Tony Allen, you get to the Afrobeat, and then also you get to Ginger Baker, because Ginger Baker was in Africa in the 70s, uh, early 60s, uh, late 60s. African drummers. Yeah, he suddenly was like the first white musician to even go into Fela Kuti's compound, because he was mad, right, as well. 
absolutely kind of... I'll tell you who I think is a very underrated drummer, probably because he played for the police, Stuart Copeland. Oh, no, Stuart Copeland. Did you ever check out Oh, my gosh. Damn. It's like, how do you do that? Incredible. I mean, in A Message of a Bottle where he's like... Because it's also quite reggae. It's yeah, also yeah. Oh, quite yeah, reggae. Yeah, yeah. He's got reggae jazzy you know, kind of th- style to his thing. Yeah. Actually, this came from my dad as well. You know, you can be a great drummer, but if you don't find your bass player, you haven't got the rhythm section sorted. So he always put a heavy influence on listening to, like, Sly and Robbie because they were a bass and drum combination that was incredible and on all the classic reggae Look. records that we know. So then I got really interested in like looking at the relationship between the bass and the drums and Radiohead also have that. You know, when you look at the drummer and the, the bass player is just standing right close to the drummer, they are like a they unit. Become they, they become one. They become one. The same with Big Audio Dynamite, exactly. I mean, Leo and Greg. They're like, I mean, you know. Wobble and um, the pill drummer, you know, they they were a great combination. Bruce. Bruce, Yeah, incredible drummer. In fact, and. Bruce Smith. Yeah, and and in the slits. Yeah, that's right. And And he played in the slits, that's right. Yeah. And Budgie. Yeah, but exactly. So then, and then you're. You're getting into that area of like, well, units within the band. And I have to mention Questlove as well because the way he plays is so hard. And then I got really influenced by all the American session drummers. So I was listening to Chris Dave. I was listening to Aaron Spears, who plays for Usher. And then I was, you know, well, where are the females in this? You have Cora Coleman-Dunham. She's an incredible session player. She played for Beyonce, but also she played with Prince for a bit. I mean, Prince was an admirer of female oh, drummers. drummers yeah. Kim Kim Thompson, she's a great drummer. I've never heard any of these. Yeah, people. yeah, well, these, you know, because, you know, you have to. You know, most drummers really know their stuff about all drummers because also it's a competitive instrument. It, sometimes it becomes an instrument where you show off your chops. It's like a big yeah. thing. You Mind have you, a I chop always off. hated the drum solo in the movie. Yeah. Like, I know a drum solo, fuck it. <laughs> Well, that's your punk. That's the punk oh, attitude man. coming out. No, before punk, I hated... In fact, I hated all the solos. When they had the yeah. keyboard solo and guitar. I fucking hated yeah. <laughs> God, that was, No, that was way before that. It yeah. became much abused. I mean, if it's yeah. 30 seconds, enough. Yeah. And then also, you know, listening to Led Zeppelin, John Bonham, for me... Is where I really I I that that makes me, power. Yeah, exactly. Power. But then also one other thing, seeing the white stripes, seeing Meg and Jack. But there was a really interesting drum and guitar unit. But because Meg played the drums like a kid, it wasn't particularly spectacular. It wasn't particularly great and beautiful technically, technically, technically yeah, yeah. to watch. But she just played them like almost like she was playing them for the first time, and it just worked with like this bluesy like oh, guitar yeah. when i saw the white stripes i think it was also a moment where i was like i want to do music that was the greatest concert i've ever seen the white stripes where, where was hammersmith it? apollo it was a really early album before elephant i think from i think the first album i heard of the Dist- yeah. distill jesus that's the one i i was like yeah Fuck, yeah I mean, for me that's still one of my favorite albums yeah. i have to admit yeah i gotta admit yeah, you know. it wasn't just because she was a female drummer. It was this atmosphere that she created. Well, with a new Jack. way of making music as yeah. well. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Come on, I mean. exactly. And and you know, just the sheer power of the music. It was incredible. But it's very hard for me to say these are the three top drummers I'm influenced by because I just love the drums and I love people's different approaches to playing the drums and I love the way people have their own style to fit that unit. So you know, for me, it's kind of like. 
if it's good, I love it. Thanks for listening and stay tuned for season two of Joining the Dots, which is in production as we speak. In the meantime, you can find Huck Magazine at all good news agents and you can go to huckmag.com to subscribe. That's H-U-C-K-Mag.com for daily original journalism, cutting-edge reportage photography and all the killer content. HuckMag.com Hey folks, I'm Mark Marin from the WTF podcast and this episode is brought to you by Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues, your ally to help tackle your allergy symptoms this season. I love the change of seasons, but nobody loves pollen and all those other things floating in the air that make you sneeze during this nice weather. Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues are hypoallergenic and allergist approved. So fight back against watery eyes and runny noses without worrying about irritating your skin. For this Allergy season, grab Kleenex and face allergies head on. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowl and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowl and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.